طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون Today's subject which is Al-Mawd, death and the grave, Al-Qabr. This subject, many people tend to become frightened regarding death. But in reality for a believer who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, death is in fact a journey from one realm to another. And like this, the human soul, the ruh, has traveled and made a journey from one location to another. Initially, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us in Alam al the universe of the particle known as Alam al in which the souls were asked, Alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? And the souls responded by saying, Qalu, the Quran informs us, Qalu, Bala. They said, Bala, of course. And the first word spoken by the souls was Bala, which is of course. And the first letter which was spoken was the letter Ba. And this is why when we recite Al-Quran Al-Kareem, 113 chapters out of 114 start with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim with the letter Ba starting with the letter Ba to remind us to remind our soul with regard to Alam al or what is known as Alam al-Arwah so whenever we recite the Quran with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim the soul is reminded of that first letter that was spoken and the first soul that responded was the soul of Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And then the souls of all the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wa salam. After which the other souls spoke and the disbelievers, they were the last souls to respond to this because they could not deny the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created them. So this was known as Alam al the world of the particle, why as Azhar? Because the particles were placed in the loins of Sayyiduna Adam salam. All of the genetic, the human genetic was placed in the loins of Adam salam. Why is Adam salam referred to as Adam? This name Adam is from Adimul Ard. What is Adimul Ard? The surface of the earth because he was created from the surface, the soil of the earth. And he contained, his body had all the various soils from across the earth because the human genetic code was placed in Sayyiduna Adam salam, from which his progeny, his offspring, originates into various tribes and people, people of different colors and tongues. All of this is from the genetical code which was placed in Sayyiduna Adam salam. As I said, the name Adam is from Adim al-Ard, which is the surface of the earth. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fashioned the body of Sayyiduna Adam salam, 
he commanded the angels to bring the soil from the earth and the angel that brought the soil was no less than Israel السلام, who is whom the angel of death Malakul Maut and that soil was from all the different types of soils the soft soil the strong soil the dark soil the light soil and all the shades in between from which Sayyiduna Adam السلام, was created and this is why the first human being, Sayyiduna Adam السلام, was dark in complexion. Because another meaning of Adam is to be dark. But from that dark human being, all the various races, they originate from him. From the light-skinned, to the yellow-skinned, to the brown-skinned, to the red-skinned, and all the African peoples, all these various races. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us, that you are what Qabail tribes and Shu'ub peoples that he created. Why? In order that you may want know one another. This creation of Sayyiduna Adam السلام, after the passing away of Adam السلام, we know he was created in the heavens but placed on the earth. After the passing away of Adam السلام, Sayyiduna Adam السلام, was witnessed by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Laylatul Isra wal Mi'raj which is the night journey and the ascension the miraculous night journey and ascension Sayyiduna Adam السلام, was observed in the first heaven now heaven should not be mistaken for paradise there are two different creations one is heaven, which is known as As-Samawat, the heavens. And the other one is Al-Jannah, the plural of which is Al-Jinan. Al-Jannah is in a different location, while As-Samawat are these seven concentric circles that surround the known universe. In this material universe, when we travel out into space, if you travel for millions of light years, you will reach a point where traveling beyond that point, a person enters the first heaven. It's a concentric circle that surrounds the known universes and galaxies. Then traveling beyond that, a person reaches the second concentric circle. Beyond that, they go to, into the third. And like this, you have layers upon layers of seven heavens. Beyond that is Al-Jannah. Al-Jannah, the, the word Al-Jannah, the root of this is from the same root as the word Jinn. Because the Jinn are invisible to the eye. Likewise, Al-Jannah is covered. What is it covered with? With the greenery, the trees that cover all of Al-Jannah. Jannah has shades. So the trees that surround Al-Jannah, they shade all of Al-Jannah. And the roof of Al-Jannah is the Arsh. The roof of Al-Jannah, of paradise, is the Arsh. Likewise, linguistically in Arabic, Jinin, the word Jinin is the fetus in the womb of a woman because the fetus is covered. So Al-Jannah is also covered. The Samawat, the seven concentric circles, 
عند ليلة الإسراء والمعراج سيدنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم so Sayyiduna Adam alayhi salam in the first heaven whenever Sayyiduna Adam alayhi salam would look to the right he would observe the illuminated souls ascending and when he would look to the left he would see the non-illuminated souls descending this realm is known as the realm of Alamul Arwah the world of the souls Prior to the soul being sent down to earth, the souls of the human beings are contained in Alamul Arwah. In Alamul Arwah, they await for when the souls shall be sent down to earth into the wombs of the women, the mothers. When a child is conceived, the hadith informs us in the famous hadith of Sayyiduna Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ لَيُجْمَعُ خَلْقُهُ فِي بَطْنِ أُمِّهِ which is a detailed hadith which mentions that the creation of the fetus is gathered in the womb of the mother for 40 days in one hadith very specifically 42 days the child, the fetus develops that child develops from the liquid of the man and the woman the liquid of the man and the woman is a biological liquid created from the body of the person and the body of the person is created from the food and the sustenance that they consume. The food and the sustenance they consume is from the earth. So the human being is from the earth because the liquid of the man and the woman is from the biological system and the biological system is from the earth. Even the goat and the sheep that grazes on the fields for hours it grazes from the earth. The meat that we consume is from the earth. So the human being is created from the earth. This human being created from the earth shall go back to the earth. Minha khalaqanakum. From it, we created you, meaning from the earth. And also with regard to this, wafiha nu'idukum. And we shall return you back to the earth. And also, وَمِنْهَا نُخْرِجُكُمْ تَارَةً أُخْرَى And from this earth we shall extract you again. Meaning, someone may question, how are they extracted from the earth? If for instance you have a human being swimming in the oceans, and a shark consumes the human being. When the shark consumes the human being, the person now is digested in the bowels of the shark or the whale. How are they extracted from the earth again? This is a question people ask. And this relates to death. Death that occurs at the hands of beasts or where a person, his body may be burnt. When the person is burnt into ashes, those people who are cremated, for instance, and their, cremation, their ashes are scattered in rivers and in the sea, there is something that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam informed us that remains of the person. And that is known in Arabic as the Ajabul Dhamb. In English it is known as the coccyx bone. The base of the spine will always remain or we could say more precisely 
that the DNA of the human being remains irrelevant to how many changes it undergoes. Even if the, the coccyx bone is consumed, the DNA, a fraction of the DNA will always remain. When the ashes are scattered on the rivers, the rivers, they, the water touches the banks of the earth or the surface at the bottom of the rivers and the oceans and that particle will go back down into the earth. An animal that consumes another human being, eventually that animal will die. The DNA will eventually go back into the earth. And from that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall extract the human beings again from the earth. And from it, meaning from the earth, we shall extract you again. So this human being, the soul of whom is placed in the fetus after 42 days and the first faculty that develops for the human child is the faculty of hearing. This is why throughout the Quran, you will always find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whenever he mentions hearing and sight, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always mention the hearing first. Like, إِنَّهُ هُوَ al basir. Indeed, he is all hearing and all seeing. Why the faculty of hearing is more important than the faculty of eyesight. But also, when the child is being developed in the womb, this means the child is able to hear the occurrences of sounds during the period in which the child is inside of the womb. So if you play the Quran, the child can hear Al-Quranul Karim being played. This will affect the soul. Likewise, if the mother drinks the Zamzam water during pregnancy, this will affect the makeup of the child. Meaning the very flesh of the child is composed of that Zamzam water. So this soul is then sent from Alamul Arwah, the world of the heaven, the world of the souls, or Arwah, the spirits, and the soul is sent from the top part of the head. From this top part of the head, the soul is placed. So the functioning, the soul, the ruh, when it enters the body, this you can liken to the sun, like you have the sun, and the sun has sun rays, the effect of the sun, the ruh is like the sun, and the life that comes about is like the sun rays. The appetites, the appetite for food, the various appetites of the nafs, the soul, is like the effect of the ruh entering the flesh. When the ruh enters the flesh, the person has eyesight. They have hearing. The mind works. The mind begins to function. The need for food and drink, even though at that period of time the child is with an umbilical cord, will not eat and drink, but will sustain itself, nourish itself on the blood of the mother. But during this time, these desires develop, and this is because the soul, the ruh, has entered the flesh. The effect of that is what? That the flesh now has its needs. 
because the flesh is from the earth the needs of the flesh are from the earth but because the soul is from alamul arwah from the first heaven the needs of the soul are heavenly so you have two needs one is the needs of the earth a person needs to eat and drink procreate and marry a person has the need for warmth a person has the need for shelter these are all the needs from the earthly makeup composition of the human being but the earth, the soul also has a need it wants to go back it wants to ascend it wants to go back to alamul arwah it wants to go back when it had munajat with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alamul arwah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his divine speech communicated with that soul Alastu bi rabbikum and the soul responded by bala the soul wants to go back to that communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is what we refer to as spiritual needs and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a sharia a law by which we balance between the needs of the material realm and the needs of the spiritual realm. So Islam is a, re a religion of balance that we do not have the extreme of the Buddhist monks who, or the Hindu gurus and the sages that they go to an extreme where they may go without food for days on end and or it's claimed that they go without food. Of course there are tricks by which this can be done. There's a type of food you consume which restricts the stomach. In India, they have a particular type of herb. They eat that herb, it restricts the stomach. And then when they shower, they will drink the water and then they will survive for a while. But the point being, they claim to have abandoned the material needs for days on end, similarly with Buddhist monks. But in Islam, we have a balance. What is that balance? That balance is Sharia that we still have our material needs fulfilled and this is why the longest verse in the quran relates to trading the longest verse of the quran ya this verse is what the longest verse of al quranul kareem relating to trade and commerce so the longest verse is on trade and commerce the Sharia law tells us how to build the material realm also, but with balance. With Sharia, we have balance that we do not cut down the rainforests, for instance. We, we have a balance that we have laws which govern the human being, because if these laws did not exist, then the human being becomes like Pharaoh claiming to be God on earth. If there was no law, then every human being would make up his own law and they would dispute with one another and every human being would oppress the other human being like the types of oppression that we observe in the world today so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a sharia law to govern the worldly aspects but the ruh has its needs and this is why for instance we have the five daily prayers that when we pray this is the attention of the soul, the ruh, towards its creator through the bodily functions. And this salah that we pray 
is an act of worship that when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ascended Laylatul Isra wal Mi'raj in the night of ascension, he saw and observed the angels bowing down in Ruku'ah, prostrating, carrying out different acts of worship. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in an act of worship which is known as a salah, which is the five daily prayers, which is a composition of all the various acts of ibadah which the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam observed on Laylatul Isra wal Mi'raj. So then this soul now in the material realm, this soul yearns to go back and a person fulfills the need of satisfying having the inner satisfaction of what what the Quran refers to as behold with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the hearts find what complete satisfaction and this soul is referred to as Al-Nafsul Mutma'inna, that soul which is pleased with its Lord. This is a state of perfection. What state of perfection? That the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَّمْ تَكُن تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكَ That you observe Allah, you worship Allah, as if you observe him. And if you do not observe him, then know he observes you. This child now that develops in the womb, the angel is Thumma Yursalu Malak. An angel is sent, and the angel writes down a few things relating to that child. One of them is the sustenance that shall be given to that child throughout his life. This is from the Qada and Qadr, the divine predestination that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala foreordains the sustenance of that child. Likewise, the lifespan of that child is preordained. The lifespan. And thirdly, whether this person is from the people of paradise, Sa'idun, eternal bliss and happiness, or a wretched person who will attain eternal doom. These two things are already known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happens at the time of death is the opposite to what occurred at the time of the creation of the fetus in the womb. What is the opposite? That the angel extracts the soul. So previously, as mentioned, that when the soul is placed in the womb, the soul enters from the top of the head. And of course, the gap in the top of the head is to facilitate birth of the child, so the brain is not damaged. But also that the first thing that functions is the eyesight uh, after the hearing, the eyesight and the mind. The opposite is at the time of death. The soul is taken from the feet. The soul is extracted from the feet and from the right toe to be exact. 
When you go into ruku' in prayer and you observe your feet, always remember that that is the point from which death starts. And this is why the feet become still. If someone has a slow death, the first part of the body that will stop functioning is the feet. If they have a slow death, and the feet will bend slightly once the soul is extracted. And then when the soul is extracted, the last point from where the soul will leave is from the top of the head. This is why if you ever observed anyone dying, you will notice that they always look upwards. When their soul is being extracted from their body, the last point, if they have their eyes open, you will notice that they look upwards. Why do they look upwards? Because when Malakul Mawta is removing the soul, the soul is being taken out. When the soul is being extracted from the point of the eyes, the eyesight disappears, but the soul is being removed, and then the person observes with the soul. They, do, they no longer observe with the material eyes. They are observing with this ruh, this soul that stayed in their body, the body which was a physical prison, a material prison, a fleshy prison. Now the soul is free. But when the soul is taken, the person now observes a different realm. Because the metaphysical realm, what is metaphysical? That which goes beyond the material realm, the metaphysical realm, the person observes everything beyond this material realm and they observe the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how the angels remove their soul and then the angels transport this soul. This angel, the soul now is transported. Where is it transported to? And this is the difficult journey. But before going into the journey, a person firstly is sent the messengers of death. What are the messengers of death? The messengers of death firstly are the white hairs that we have. The crooked back, the illnesses we may encounter. These are messengers of death in order to inform us that this world we live in is not the realm of immortality. This is not the realm that we will remain in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created another realm which is Al-Jannah, paradise which contains perfections. But the dunya contains, the world contains what perfections? with a combination of imperfections. Why are those imperfections created in this realm? In order to inform us that this realm is not a realm to be, become attached to. So the more attached you are to this worldly realm, the more difficult life becomes, uh, the leaving of the soul becomes. So when a person faces death, if they were attached to the material realm, to the material world, then it becomes difficult for them to depart from this material world. Death becomes difficult for them. But if a person is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to his creator, who gave him numerous favors, 
so many favors that he's unable to count all the favors like as I always mention the heartbeat being such a favor that if we count the heartbeat from birth until our death we would be unable to count the favor of the heartbeat alone favors like having access to clean water favors like the food that we consume favors like the air that we breathe even the air that we breathe is a risk is a sustenance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the air that we breathe that sustains us is given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all these are various favors these are rasailul hub love letters that Allah sends to us on a daily basis the fact that our immune system remains intact and our immune system, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this immune system within us is a love letter from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that we do not wake up with the function of our eyes disappearing. There are people who lose the functioning of their eyes. The fact that we wake up every morning and our minds are functioning. The fact that we have the ability to speak. The human being is referred to as Al-Haywanun Natiq the speaking animal, the speaking living creature, because the human being is unique in that regard, that the human being is able to speak or even think. So these are all favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which make us attached to our creator. So when we become attached to our creator, if our creator transports us from one realm to the other, the transition of life and death becomes easy. The death of the believer is the death of a lover. We are lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we love our divine creator, yes, we will face the pains of death. We will depart from this realm, but we will go to the other realm which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created for us. This transporting of the soul from one realm to another realm is beloved to the one who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this soul now when it's removed, the soul of the believer, when the soul of the believer is removed, who is the believer? The one who submits to Allah. This is the meaning of ubudiyah, servitude, that you submit to your divine creator. What is submission? Submission is acknowledging your creator. Acknowledging the one who created you, the one who preserves you, the one who has given you everything, even if you count the difficulties and hardship that a person faces in this realm, you will realize that even those difficulties and hardship are nothing in comparison to the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person will undergo hardship and difficulty, but even the favor of eyesight, for instance, outweighs all, of all the other favors. And the one who has no eyesight, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have given him other favors. Favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are love letters. So the, the abd, the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is attached to Allah. Loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anything in this realm. So death becomes an easy transition. The angel now transports the ruh. While the soul is transported, and remember the question is, is death an actual existent being? Is death something which has wujud? 
it doesn't have existence the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah respond to this by saying yes death is an actual existent like life in Surah Al-Mulk Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states الذي خلق الموت والحياة the one who created death and life ليبلوكم أيكم أحسن عملا in order to place you through a bala what is bala tribulation to check which one of you is better in action if you do not face tribulation you will never appreciate things if you never face tribulation you will never recognize the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created a realm in which there was no suffering you will never appreciate those things those favors which he has given to you so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created al-mawt, death, and al-hayat. These are two existents. On the day of judgment, remember there is a realm which is known as alamul mithal. Alamul mithal is the largest realm created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's known as what? The world of similitudes. This realm is so huge that the way when a fetus is in the womb when the fetus comes out the child comes out he enters or she enters a huge universe this firstly planet earth and then beyond planet earth the comparison between the womb of the mother and the universe in which the child is born is the comparison between this world and alam al-mithal this realm is huge this realm the world of similitude is the realm in which everything takes form so when we pray for instance when we pray five times a day the salah the prayer that we pray takes a form this is mentioned in the hadith that it takes a form and we pray towards the Kaaba the direction of the Kaaba because the Kaaba is the central point from which the prayer ascends that to him ascend the good words and the good actions he raises them up so the Kaaba is the central point from which the actions of the human being firstly those actions take a form in alam al-mithal and then those actions ascend in an upward direction this is alam al-mithal but likewise the form of death there is a form of death which exists in alam al-mithal and similarly, life al-hayat has a form in alam al-mithal. What happened in the time of Musa salam when Sayyiduna Musa salam he crossed the Red Sea and went to the Sinai Peninsula. He ascended the mountain, Sinai mountain. When he ascended for 40 days, the Bani Israel became corrupt. 
The entire story is in the Quran in numerous places. During this time, As-Samiri was the one who inspired Bani Israel to gather all the jewelry, the gold, and what fashion a false god, an idol, in the form of a calf, because the ancient Egyptians would worship a calf. So they melted all the gold and they fashioned a calf. Within that calf, Asamiri placed some soil, some soil within the mouth of the calf, and the calf made a sound like the mooing of a cow. This convinced Bani Israel that this calf is God. Of course, it's stupidity. Because metal, even if it speaks, it doesn't make it divine. Even a mobile phone speaks. But they, nevertheless, they started to worship the calf. When Musa descended, at that point, Asamiri revealed how he knew that that soil will have an effect on the calf, that the calf will be able to make a mooing sound. What was that? That Asamiri was able to observe Sayyiduna Jibreel riding a white horse. When Jibreel was riding a white horse, wherever the hoof of the horse would land, greenery would grow. Now there's two points to this. Number one, why was Asamiri able to see Jibreel even at times disbelievers are able to see angels. But Asamiri, they say he was raised as an orphan, his parents had died. Jibreel was the one who raised him. And he was able to see Jibreel even though he became a disbeliever. The second point, this horse that Jibreel was riding, this is the horse that is from Alam al-Mithal, which is the form of life. Which is the form of life. And the effect, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the effect. So, where the creature, the horse looking creature, the white horse, wherever it would place its hoof, and greenery would grow. This was created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the horse represented life. Similarly, death has a form in Alum al Mithal, which is the form of a black ram. The form of a black ram. So, dream interpretation relates to understanding Alum al Mithal. The better understanding a person has of Alum al Mithal, the better understanding they will have of dream interpretation. So for instance, if you see in a dream, you see a black ram, you will know straight away the dream master, dream interpreter, like Ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, he would know that this black ram represents death. So if someone sees a house, and in the house they see a black ram, it represents death. <laughs> On the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call out to the Ahlul Jannah, the people of paradise and the people of Jahannam, and they will observe the slaughtering of the black ram. Why will the, the black ram be slaughtered? It will be slaughtered because after the day of judgment, there will be no such thing as death. Death will be finished. 
At that point, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa states that the people of Hellfire will be so grieved that death is finished, that if there were death, they would have died, but there is no more death. And the people of Paradise will be so happy that if there were death, they would have died, but there is no more death. This also tells us that Kathratul Farah Yumitul Qalb. That sometimes if you have excessive happiness, excessive happiness can kill the heart also. So some people wonder, why are we not always happy? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create within us anxiousness, anxiety, worries and stress? Because if you were always continuously happy, you may even die. And sp sometimes the heart can spiritually die. But th there must be a balance between fear and hope. Between fear and hope. There must be a balance. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed a scale. So this slaughtering of death occurs in Alumi Mithal. Remember two things. Dream interpretation relates to Alumi Mithal, as I stated. But also the person who enters the world of the Barzakh. What is the Barzakh? The stage between this world and the next world. That realm also involves Alum al-Mithal. You can say in one sense, Barzakh is a timeless zone. Why is Barzakh a timeless zone? Remember in Islam we also say that time is relative. But a person could be dead for five minutes but have the experience of a billion years. Likewise, a person can be dead for 5,000 years, but have the experience of five minutes. Because they live in a different plane altogether, which is known as Alam al-Barzakh. Now, when this soul is extracted, the person has entered a different realm because they are observing with the soul, the ruh. The believer, remember, the mu'min has nothing to fear. As a believer, as a mu'min, you have nothing to fear. Meaning you fear bad actions because there are certain bad actions that have evil consequences for the person in the dunya and the akhirah. Like abandoning the salah, it can lead to su'ul khatima, a bad death. Likewise, disrespecting the parents or disobeying the parents, it can lead to su'ul khatima, a bad death. Likewise, drinking alcohol and committing zina, it can lead to su'ul khatima, But at the same time, iman is something that a believer, even if he has sins, the iman is a light by which a person receives salvation. But when this soul is taken, some of the ulama say, a person, firstly, there are a few benefits of always staying consistently in wudu. One of the benefits of staying in wudu, firstly, that the khalq, makhluq, is unable to harm you with the will and might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The, the makhluq cannot harm you. A second benefit of consistently staying in wudu, 
is that when salah time comes in, you can pray your salah without having to worry about performing ablution. But a third benefit is for the believer that when he is in a state of wudu and the angel of death appears, Malakul Maut salam, meaning at the point of uh, death, inception of death, the veils are removed from the eyes that a person has a glimpse into Alamul Malaika, the world of the angels. When this occurs, there is a dispute. Some of the scholars say that the person is no longer mukallaf, he is no longer legally obligated. He's facing death. There is a group of ulama that say he is still mukallaf. At that point, what should a person do? He can turn around, face the qibla and do takbir and die in a state of salah. Because he is consistently in a state of wudu. So at this point when the soul is extracted, the soul ascends. Where does it ascend to? It ascends to Sama'ud Dunya. What is Sama'ud Dunya? Sama'ud Dunya, the, the observation that we have from this realm of the universes and galaxies, we observe stars ornamenting the sky. Beyond that is a realm which is known as Sama'ud Dunya before the first heaven. Every human being has a door when I use the word door, meaning a passageway, a pathway into the heavens that is specific for that individual. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees for something, the decree descends down the heavens and then materializes in this realm. It becomes a material reality. In the metaphysical realm, it takes a different form. An example of this is when we think, for instance, when I think with my mind, my mind tells me to raise my arm. But this command of raising the arm has a different form in the material realm. It's a thought in the mind, but when it materializes and becomes a reality, it's a physical action. Similarly, whatever is foreordained for a human being, that descends down the heavens, and this is what Laylatul Nisfi min Sha'ban, the midnight of Sha'ban, relates to also. The commands come down from the heavens, but they materialize in this realm. Whatever relates to each individual descends from the door which is specific to him, and the person's soul is taken toward that door. So that is the journey, the initial journey that the soul is removed but then this is what the person is experiencing but remember is there a pain the answer is yes why is there a pain involved in death because when the soul was placed the ruh was placed in the fetus the soul became attached to every nerve in the body every nerve in the body because it gives life the feelings that we have, the sensory perception we have, is by the soul entering the physical human body, the human flesh. So when the angel of death, Malakul Maut, removes the soul, the soul is extracted from every nerve and therefore the person will, it's only natural that the person feels pain. But there are some people that are distracted. They are distracted in such a way that 
when death occurs for them, their minds or their attention is distracted, that the pains of death become less. Like the martyr. When the martyr is on the point of being martyred, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala distracts him with the vision of paradise by which his soul is taken out. And what is stated in a hadith is that he feels the pain of an ant bite only. But there are other people who will have terrible pain. In some of the books they mention the more pleasure a person had in life, material pleasures, the more physical pain he will have at the time of death. Then the soul is removed, the person ascends. Now when he ascends, he observes al-mulk wal-malakut. What is al-mulk? Al-mulk is the kingdom of Allah. Al-malakut is the hidden aspects of the kingdom of Allah. Like for instance, we may observe a rock. There is a rock, a boulder. What we observe, the material of the rock is mulk. But what makes a rock a rock is something hidden. This relates to malakut. What makes everything what it is in its essential nature relates to the secret of the malakut. So when the soul ascends, the person observes al-mulku wal-malakut. But when he reaches the door, if he has, I mean this is for the believer, if he has actions which will make him ascend, meaning this is why we do good actions, the person is permitted to enter the door. And remember, the journey from the door to the heavens, through the heavens, into paradise at this point, is a journey that a person may experience in that realm, but on earth only a second may go by. And in that realm, thousands of years have gone by. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But the soul ascends through the heavens, meaning if permission is granted. Which type of people are these? Those people who are believers, meaning they acknowledge and submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they also have good deeds. A person should never undermine good deeds. A person should never undermine a salah, piety. Why? There are some people they say, meaning there's a person he does fisk, transgression, and they say, oh, at least he is sahihul aqidah. At least he has the correct belief. As if to make something light of good actions. But this is a mistake. Why is this a mistake? Because some of those actions of fisk, of transgression, weaken the iman. And at the point of death, a person can leave his iman, abandon his iman because of the actions. This is why never make something, uh, never deem good actions as something insignificant. Actions that we do in private, those actions strengthen the iman because the iman is like a tree. A tree that's rooted in the ground. If you place water in the tree, the soil is replenished, enriched, and the tree will grow strong. But if you throw toxins and chemicals into the soil, the tree will eventually die. Our good actions are like the water that is pl placed in the soil and then the tree is replenished. So this is why a person should always work towards uh, 
good actions, amal salih in order to replenish the iman, otherwise his mind and soul will become corrupted. There are certain sins that corrupt the mind and soul. So you must recognize what those sins are and abandon them. Meaning there are cornerstone habits some people have that corrupt the mind and the soul of the person, place the soul in a state of darkness, which the Quran describes as Nay indeed, Rather, this word is used, which means a covering is placed upon their hearts by the actions that they were acquiring, physical actions. If a person is always sinning, doing actions that emanate darkness in alam al-mithal, those actions, they emanate darkness, the person will have darkness to the point that the heart will be covered in darkness, that the darkness will emanate from that individual. But when a person does good actions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will illuminate the person, meaning the heart is illuminated, but the person will also be illuminated. So always deem good actions as something important and a priority, inward and outward. So then the soul is taken through these samawat, the seven concentric circles, transported upwards, and a person has a glimpse of the realms that exist in the seven heavens. Each heaven has a function. What are the functions? As I mentioned, one of the many functions of the first heaven is that the arwah, the souls are placed in that heaven. And the souls are sent down from the first heaven. The second heaven has a function. One of those functions relates to ashratu sa'a, the signs of the end of times. The signs of the end of times, the divine command or the divine ordainment of those signs occurs in the second heaven and then becomes a physical material manifestation in this realm. In the third heaven, there is the importance uh, of what dreams, alam al-mithal. This is why Sayyiduna Yusuf was observed in the third heaven because he was the master dream interpreter. In chapter 12 of the Quran, the only story, one of the story, few stories in the Quran which is not repeated. Like Zul Qarnayn his story is not repeated. The story of Yusuf is not repeated in the Quran. Giving the disbelievers an option to imitate the story but they were unable to do so. And then in the fourth heaven, you have anything which relates to knowledge. And this is why Sayyiduna Idris was observed in the fifth, uh, the fourth heaven. In the fourth heaven, even the name of Idris is from Darasa, to study. And they say, with the knowledge of Idris the pharaohs or the Egyptians, ancient Egyptians, were able to construct the pyramids with the science and mathematics that he left. Then on the fifth heaven, you have the divine commands relating to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Harun is located in the fifth heaven. Because he was 
intensely merciful to Bani Israel. And then on the sixth heaven, you have the divine commands relating to the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the sixth heaven. And this is why Sayyiduna Musa salam was observed in the sixth heaven. When Sayyiduna Musa salam was observed in the sixth heaven, many of us must have heard the hadith on 50 prayers. When the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam was given the gift of 50 prayers, and then the prayers were reduced. At the behest of whom? Musa salam. Where was this conversation between Musa salam and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam occurring? It was occurring on the sixth heaven. Because the sixth heaven relates to tashri'a law-giving. Then on the seventh heaven, you have Al-Baytul Ma'mur, which is the hallowed house and the location of Sayyiduna Ibrahim salam. Ibrahim salam, his name contains the name, contains the meaning of mercy in the other languages, in the Hebrew or the Assyriac languages, ancient languages. Around Ibrahim salam, when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu observed him in the seventh heaven, he's observed the children of the non-Muslims. The children of whom? The non-Muslims. Sayyiduna Ibrahim was instructing them in Tawheed. So young Arthur who passed away in Birmingham, or these young children that die innocently at the hands of mentally retarded individuals, those young children, they enter the heavens and they are in the company of Sayyiduna Ibrahim This is why in one commentary of the Sanusiya Umm al-Barahim, one of the awliyaullahi subhanahu wa ta'ala al-arifin billah, he saw a dream in which he saw Sayyiduna Ibrahim instructing the children in Umm al-Barahim to teach them Tawheed. Umm al-Barahim, the Sunusi creed. In this heaven, Sayyiduna Ibrahim conveyed two messages to this nation. Number one was that he informed the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that instruct your nation to increase in Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. This was one message conveyed. Why, the, why these four phrases? Because these four phrases contain Tawheed. Subhanallah, glorified be Allah, meaning the one who is free from imperfections. Alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah. La ilaha illallah, there is no deity, only Allah. Some of the Imam Ahmad bin Zayn Dahlan, rahimullah, he mentioned some of the Arifin, Al Murabbin, they would say, for some people it's sufficient the dhikru la ilaha illallah. And Imam Muhammad bin Yusuf al sunusi rahimullah, states, anyone who feels lazy in ibadah, let him increase in what? La ilaha illallah. And then Allahu Akbar. This was conveyed. The second message that was conveyed was conveyed to your nation, my salam. So Sayyiduna Ibrahim salam conveyed his salam to all of us. This soul now that has been taken from the body of the human, the Muslim, ascends 
through these seven concentric circles which are known as the heavens, as-samawat, until it reaches an area which is known as Illiyun. In the Quran, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا إِلِّيُّونَ What shall make you understand what is Illiyun? Note that this word Illiyun is from Ala. Ala is to be lofty. Illiyun is located in paradise, in Al-Jannah. And Al-Jannah is located on the right-hand side of the Arsh. Firstly, we must understand that the seven concentric circles of the samawat sab'u, the seven heavens, are located under the kursi. The kursi is a creation of light in which the seven heavens are embedded. Why is it known as al-kursi? Some people think al-kursi means a, f a chair. The word in fact is from takarrus. Takarrus is where something is embedded. Why is it referred to as kursi? Because the seven heavens are embedded inside of the kursi. Then the kursi is located under the arsh. What is the arsh? The arsh is a creation of light also. And in one hadith, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu states that the seven heavens in comparison to the kursi in size are like the ring, a ring that is thrown in a vast desert. And then the kursi in comparison to the arsh is like a small ring thrown in a vast desert. This arsh is the roof of paradise. And paradise is located on the right hand side of the arsh. Within paradise is Illiyun. So the soul is transported into Illiyun. And this explains why some of them, when they would have dreams regarding the dead, remember one thing in dream interpretation, ta'abir ru'ya, whatever an inanimate object informs you, the meaning is literal. And whatever a dead person informs you of, the meaning is literal. This is a qaida in what? Ta'abir ru'ya. So people see the dead people, the dead people are located in Alam al-Barzakh, which is in Illiyun. Whatever they may convey is truthful and literal. If you see a dead person telling you, go to my house and remove this thing from my house, it's literal. But if you see a... For instance, someone may see a cat talking to them in a dream. Whatever the cat conveys is literal. Why? Because the cat, in real life, cats cannot speak. But if a living person informs you of something in a dream, the dream requires interpretation. So these souls, some of them are observed in dreams. Some of them are observed in dreams. Like Al-Hajjaj bin Yusuf, the tyrant, who killed over 70,000 Muslims and imprisoned over 70,000. Afterwards, someone saw him in a dream. They said, Ma What did Allah do with you? He responded by saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me death for every soul that I killed. Meaning that was what he was experiencing. And then after I am punished for this, then I will be from the people of La ilaha illallah, meaning the intercession. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Shafa'ati li ahlil kaba'ir min ummati. 
My intercession is for the people of major sins from my nation. When you enter Babu Salam to give salam to the best of creation, Sayyiduna Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Wasallam, you will notice a few hadith like Al Imanu Ya'rizu ila al Madinati kama ta'rizu al Hayyatu ila Hujriha. Iman returns back to Medina the way a snake returns back to its hole. You'll also have which has another version whatever is between my grave or between my house and the pulpit is a garden from the gardens of paradise another hadith my intercession is for the people of major sins from my nation so this soul now is taken to Iliyun, where the person will observe the delights of paradise. <coughs> but if the sins outweigh the good deeds, the soul is suspended in Sama'ud Dunya. It is not given permission to ascend until there is an intercession and there are a few things which benefit the Mayyid. One of them is sending them reward, dua and istighfar for them. In one narration, it is stated that a person in the illness of his death, if he recites Suratul Ikhlas, he will receive salvation. I mean, this is the power of Suratul Ikhlas, the illness of his death. You will find this narration in works like Shah Husdur of Imam Jalaluddin Suyuti, Rahmanullah. But the soul is suspended. Now what happens to the body? So this is the experience that the soul is having. What's happened to the body now? The body is a corpse on earth for the majority of people. But when the body is on earth, there is always a connection between the soul and the body. There is always a connection between the soul and the body. So if the soul is in Iliyun, or the soul is suspended, a connection remains, even a subtle connection. Then the body is transported, and I, and I already mentioned, if the person's body has perished, the ajabu dham remains, which is the coccyx bone, or the DNA of the ajabu dham, the coccyx bone, a connection remains with that bone. So when the body is placed in the grave, over the years the body can perish the body can disintegrate but the dna from the coccyx bone will remain if the person is cremated the dna from the coccyx bone will remain if the person is consumed by an animal the dna from the coccyx bone will remain this experience that the person has now is known as alamul barzakh the intermediary or some say ithmas life that the person experiences. Why is it referred to as the ithmas life? Because a person is bain a bain. He's between two things. How when you observe him, his physical body is in front of you. But his soul is in beyond you. So the person is experiencing simultaneously two different realms. Therefore, he's in an intermediary stage. This is referred to as Alamul Barzakh. 
when he is resurrected on the day of judgment, he enters the next realm completely, body and soul. But once the body has disintegrated, the person still experiences the barzakh, and this is what we refer to the experiences in the grave. There are a few ex exceptions to those whose bodies do not rot. One of them is the Anbiya Ali Musalatu Wassalam. The hadith, Al-Anbiya Ahya'un fi Quburin Yusallun. The Prophets are alive in their graves, they pray. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam observed Musa Alaihissalam standing up in his grave praying. Marartu bi qabri Musa, inda al-kathib al-ahmari, wa huwa qa'imun yusalli. I passed by the grave of Musa Alaihissalam under a red dune hill. And he was standing up worshipping Allah. The hadith on the Prophet remaining physically alive, meaning they taste death because the Quran says, Kullu nafsin Every soul shall taste death, their souls are removed. But once they are placed in the grave, their souls are placed back in their bodies and they physically worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the actions of the nation of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa are presented to him in the grave. Your actions are presented to me. That when I see good, I will praise Allah. When I see bad, I will seek forgiveness to Allah for you. Meaning what Imam al-Bazzar narrates in his Musnad and others. But the generality of people, their body may disintegrate. There are a few exceptions. It is not guaranteed for every wali that his body be preserved. Some, their bodies can be preserved. But the Anbiya والسلام, their bodies are preserved by guarantee. Then, this person now experiences the scenery that he observes in paradise the ruh in Illiyin. As for the disbeliever, his body is thrown down into an area known as Sijin. Where is Sijin located? On this planet Earth, we have a concept which is known as the North Pole. This North Pole is a human concept. But what is the true top point of Earth? The true top point of Earth is Al-Ka'batul Musharrafa. So the opposite end is the bottom point of Earth. If someone travels from out of the bottom point into space, they will reach a sixth Earth-like planet after millions of light years of travel, which only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. If they travel from that planet, they will reach a fifth planet. And from that planet to a fourth planet. And like this to a third, to a second, and to a first. This is the meaning of the seven Earths. The correct interpretation. From that last planet, if they travel out, they will reach the location of hellfire. Because as I mentioned, the heavens are a concentric circle. Hellfire is located at the at the bottom point of Earth, underneath Earth, after traveling seven Earth-like planets, out into space, beyond space, at the inception point of the first heaven, at the bottom. While paradise is beyond the seven heavens, 
on the right hand side of the Arsh. In that location is Sijin. And this is where the souls of the disbelievers are placed. The difference is that the soul of the believer when it's in paradise is not in a prison. The soul of the disbeliever is in a prison. But sometimes a person may be able to observe the souls of the disbelievers also in the world of dreams. Through Alam al-Mithal. So this is the experience now that the person has in the Barzakh. As I mentioned, a timeless zone. A zone without time. Because what is time? Time is the movement of bodies. So how do we measure time? The movement of the sun and the moon. But in Alam al-Barzakh, no such thing occurs. This remains the state of the person and of course, there are many things that occur in this realm. Things which are beyond our imagination. But this occurs until the Day of Judgment, which is known as Yawmul Ba'ath, the Day of Resurrection. What happens on Yawmul Qiyamah? On Yawmul Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down a particular rain. This is after Yawmul Qiyamah occurs. There is a whole detail with regard to the Day of Judgment. But what concerns us here is the grave. After everything is flattened, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down a particular type of rain, which is known as Ma'ul Hayat, the, life, the water of life. This water of life enters every nook and cranny in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَيٍّ We created from water every living thing. This water enters every nook and cranny of the earth. It reaches every point. As soon as it touches the coccyx bone, or what remains of the coccyx bone, the body of that person is regrown. A new body is given to him. And this is the inception of Yawmul Qiyamah, which is the Day of Judgment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those who do ikthar of what? Hadimul Ladhat, the destroyer of pleasures. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Akthiru min dhikri hadimul Ladhat, min dhikri hadimul Ladhat, increase the remembrance of what? The destroyer of pleasures. What is the destroyer of pleasures? Death. And preparation for death. Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi narrates on the authority of Sayyiduna Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhuma that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam held his collar and said to him Kun fi dunya ka'annaka gharibun aw aabiru sabeel Be in this world like you are what? Gharib, a stranger. Or the one who is traveling a road. Meaning do not become attached to this realm. You are passing through this realm. And as a Muslim, we must be what? Prepared for death. How do you prepare for death? By increasing your love of Allah. How do you increase your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? By increasing his dhikr, his remembrance. Dhikrullah. How do you increase dhikrullah? Firstly, the five daily prayers. 
the greatest form of dhikrullah is the five daily prayers. And then, al-ikthāru min tilawat al-Qur'an, increasing the recitation of al-Qur'an al-Kareem. Some of the benefits of Surah Al-Mulk, a companion, as narrated by Imam Al-Tirmidhi, once placed a tent over a grave, not realizing that there is someone buried underneath. When he fell asleep, he realized that there is a Muslim buried underneath. He heard when he was sleeping. He saw the believer in the Alamul Mithal, in the world of the Barzakh. And the believer was reciting Surah Al-Mulk. When he awoke, he went to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and informed the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam of what he had observed. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Innaha Munjiya. It, meaning Surah Al-Mulk, is Munjiya, that which gives salvation. From what? It protects a person from Adab Al-Qadr. If Surah Al-Mulk is recited after Salat Al-Maghrib, any time from after Salat Al-Maghrib up to As-Subh, true dawn, that will protect the believer from the punishment of the grave. What is the best way of doing this? When we pray our Salat Al-Maghrib, after we pray our three Fard, when we pray our two Sunnah, Raka'atayn, if you memorize Surah Al-Mulk, then recite half of it in the first cycle and the other half in the second cycle. Like this, you will never abandon Surah Al-Mulk for the rest of your life. Insha'Allah Ta'ala. So this is one of the benefits of reciting Surah Al-Mulk. Likewise, there are numerous benefits of Surah Al-Qadr. Whenever you bury a new Muslim, Al-Imam Al-Hubayshi rahimullah mentions, Take a handful of soil. Before you place any soil into the grave, recite Surah Al-Qadr seven times and blow on the soil. And then place the soil into the grave. Insha'Allah Ta'ala, that person will never suffer from the punishment of the grave. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to enable us to, uh, to act upon what has been said to rectify ourselves inwardly and outwardly. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم وأتوب إليه